Yeah. Welcome to the Shaw's Law Podcast. I am your host, Rob Shaw, a.k.a. the Pod God. I am on with the lusciously haired Zach Wilson of the Playgrounder. I just looked at myself in the camera and I see how much of a mess I am. It's 8 a.m. here. Like, this is early, but... I love I'm I'm an early bird, so I'm up at like six, six thirty every day. So this is this is great. But yeah, I'm a I'm a bit of a mess. All right. So for those of you that don't know, Zach is a Toronto native. Um he does say a boot instead of about. About. What? He's no, spelled... I've never said a boot. <laughs> I don't I've never understood that. I've never heard anyone say a boot. Like, some of the stereotypes and whatever are true, but I've never heard a Canadian say a boot. Except maybe, like, Far East Canadians. They have, like, a bit of an accent that's, that makes them say a boot, but for the most part, I don't think it's true. Um, one time he spelled, um, was it favorite, the Canadian way? Oh, yeah, we got, like, favorite, honor, color. Like, they're all, they all out of you. He spelled it that way, and... Matt just like reamed him out on Twitter, and it's one of my favorite interactions I've ever seen between them. And then I uh, I referenced it again in our like immediate first round reaction draft piece. <laughs> it's just it's just so fun. What what food were you telling uh, him about? And he had just never heard of it. So poutine? there's two. The first one, well, there was poutine, but then the second one was was a doner. And there, that this is the one I'm talking about. Yeah. So what happened there was we were talking about it on a podcast with Dante Turo and he's a Boston guy. So he'd never heard of it either. And so I ended up tweeting out like, if you're Canadian, you ever heard of a donaire retweet this and show Matt it's real. And I was expecting like two of my Canadian followers to retweet. And that thing just kept getting retweets for like three weeks. And there was lit- like, we hit donaire Twitter. Like there were people who retweeted it and their bios or their profile pictures consisted of something of Donaire. Like, I didn't know it was that big. But then we brought on Josh Eberly, and he's a Canadian. So me and him tag team Matt about it. And yeah, that's a, that's a, the Playgrounders Donaire relationship. This is awesome. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever heard of one? I've not heard of one until this Playgrounder Zach Matt fiasco. But, like, I just sat in the background because, like, I saw the backlash Matt was getting. And I was like, I'm just going to shut up. Do you know what shawarma is? No. What, what is this? Search it up. It's, like, literally, like, the best, the closest I can uh, explain to it is, like, a, a euro or a gyro, however you pronounce it. Like, it's kind of like that. But every time I say it's like that, the, the people who are, like, really big donair heads get mad at me. But, like, that's, like, the closest comparison I think I can make. I'm not huge into gyros. I'm not going to lie to you. But there's poutine. You know what poutine is, right? I feel like Americans have heard of poutine. This is the fries thing? Yeah, yeah. Fries, gravy, and cheese curds. So then there's doner poutine, where they essentially make a poutine, and they throw doner meat on, and then they, like, put, like, sweet sauce on it and stuff. And it is – it's pretty ridiculous. It is everyone's favorite bar food in uh, at least Western Canada. I don't know about Eastern Canada. I, I feel like we need to like just. I I might need to do a Canadian cuisine trip. There we go. Like once COVID's over, I was like that might be on my bucket list. Like where I'm just I just pull up to Canada and I'm only eating the local, like the local best. I'm like Black Guy Fieri. Or you can. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> or you can just go around Canada and see how nice everyone is. 
That's very true. Canada is known for its love. That's like that's the one thing I noticed throughout this whole election thing because the election in the states, like the two sides, and obviously we don't have to get too much into this. They're so divided. And I'm like, honestly, in Canada, it really is the same thing. Everyone's just too nice to make it public. So it just it's quiet, but there there are two sides that are like really, really divided. That is for everybody's too nice to make it public. <laughs> That's true. Well, not everybody. There's some. There's some. But yeah, for the most part, it doesn't just get like thrown all over the, the news and Twitter and everything. All right. Let's get into your playgrounder history. So one day you just woke up and like in my version of events, you and Matt simultaneously texted each other at the same time and was like, yo, we're making a site. And it like both hit send at this exact same time. <laughs> he uh he had a site called The Playgrounder and I had my own NBA podcast called The Hoop Chat which I thought was a really creative name. I didn't get much love for it, but it was like a play on the group chat, but then I put hoop. Anyway, uh so that was sucker just like I I yeah. got it and I'm a sucker for those. I thought it was great. Um but then I messaged him like we'd followed each other on Twitter, so I messaged him and said, "You want to come on the pod and be a guest?" And then he said, "Sure." So we made that happen. And then afterwards, we realized like neither of us were writing for something like Hoops Habit or Off the Glass, like something that was already established. He had his own thing, I had my own thing. So we were like, why don't we kind of combine our things and, you know, we could make a podcast together and then we can name it the Playgrounder, kind of combine the two. And then he was like, yeah, that'd be dope. And then so it was me, him, and then two other people that he already had before. And then we thought about adding more people. So then you came on board and. I don't know what order everyone else came on, but we eventually got to about what we're at, like 12, 13 people now. Yeah, and like the the Playgrounder group chat, uh, DM, whatever we call it, it's fucking hilarious. Like, we just Great. have so much fun in there. Yeah, well, and we, uh, the, the best thing I love about it is we just, we really avoid like every other like harsh hitting topic. And it's just a place to like escape and just talk hoops. <clears throat> it's a safe place for the team. It really is. And and we all we all get along really well. It's like literally like a family. And I think that's one thing that's great about this in comparison to and I don't want to just rag on them, but something like Hoops Habit because they are still very successful. It's there's like so many people writing for them that you don't know anyone. So I really I, I like I like this better when it's just a smaller group. Like I like that. Like I me and you text Matt and I text like I'm active. You know what I mean? Like I like yeah. that. I feel like I know you guys. No, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, like a family, I guess. All right. You're a Raptors fan, and you have been a Raptors fan since, well, you're all of like seven years old, so probably since yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday um, I learned how to speak. So who is your favorite all-time Raptor? Uh, I feel like it's a really cliche answer, and every Raptors fan would say it. Kyle Lowry's probably up there. Um, and maybe I'd say he's my favorite. I really like Pascal because the thing is before, so the Raptors had a really, really long stretch of being bad. And that's when I was actually becoming old enough to actually understand the league. And before when they were actually good with the Vince Carter days and all that, I was like four years old. So I can't really say any of those guys are my favorite because I really didn't experience it. And even in the Bosch days when they were good and they were making the playoffs. I was still only like eight to 10. So it's not like it's that young, but it's still too young to really fully understand how the league works. So honestly, it might just be Kyle Lowry or Pascal. I actually really always loved DeLon Wright. 
Um, I wouldn't say he's my favorite, but when he was here, I loved DeLon. But I guess I would say Pascal. Something I always forget about the Raptors is that they drafted Chris Bosh. Like, I know if I were to do the 2003 draft over in my head, I would know he went to the Raptors. But then I just forget about it, and I only think of him, like, almost exclusively as a Heat player. Like, I forget that this guy was, like, 22 and 11 consistently in Toronto. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, yeah, he made multiple all-star teams. For one or two seasons, him and Bargnani were, like, a real kind of force. And people always just like to rag on Bargnani, even Raptors fans. But he actually had, like, one or two solid years where he was averaging over 20 points per game. Andrea Bargnani. Oh, man. Yo, did you hear David West? I think it was David West. He said the one guy who would be, like, the, guy, the one guy who gave him, like, the most problems and who would be crazy in today's NBA was Bargnani. Isn't that insane? He probably is like a guy that might have came along a little too early for his skill set. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, especially definitely. with his frame. Mm-hmm. Like, because in today's NBA, there's just a role for him, like a, a bigger, more prominent role. And like, this is a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in his career he averaged 20. Yeah. Like, like, not in today's NBA. I mean, in, like, his NBA career, I bet you his – what do you think his career high is, 18? Per, like, per game? Per game, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was in the 20s for two years. And, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is – he was able to score the rock, and he was a player that didn't – wasn't necessarily – the NBA wasn't necessarily ready for him exactly. Yeah, so his highest was 21.4, and the next season was 19.5. So he had, like, yeah, he had two but... solid years, and he shot, he shot like 35% from three on his 21 points. So that's not, that's not too bad. All right, so Laurie is your favorite current Raptor and your favorite Raptor of all time? Uh, it's him or Pascal. Like, it's really close. I would tell people that Pascal's my favorite, but, like, you can't deny Kyle Lowry and what he's done for Toronto and how he's he's probably the greatest rapper <coughs> of all time. Just choked on my water like a doof. This guy coughs all the time when we record. And he's still, he, look, he's coughing again. This guy just, <laughs> I don't know what it is about me. Do you cough like this every episode or is it just with me? Every episode. Every single episode. <laughs> Oh. Um, all right, your favorite Raptors memory, excluding the championship. You can tell us a little bit about how that felt, but give me something like heartwarming. Like uh, I was at the bar and I looked at this guy and I was like, yo, $20 on the Raptors right now. Like, give me something like that. Yeah. So there's obviously a ton of stuff with the entire championship run. Like there was Kawhi shot. There was the 2-0 comeback versus Milwaukee, even just game one versus Golden State where it didn't even feel real that we were in the finals and they just ro- they just rolled through Golden State. But if I had to really go into the vault, one of my okay, one of my favorite memories was the Brooklyn series in 2014 or 15. I'm horrible with years. It was the first time the Raptors had made the playoffs in forever. They'd lost game one and I went to game two. And it was a really close game, and they won it. So I was at the first Raptors playoff win in I don't know how long. Um, oh, it's really hard for me to get some good memories because, like I said, this, I... Is this the fuck Brooklyn series? Yeah, yeah, that was it. My son Masai was with it. I love that kind of energy. 
Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. We were, I was I was expecting him to say it again this year, but maybe because we were in the bubble, he wouldn't, or maybe because he got fined, he didn't do it again. Um, man, it's really hard for me. Okay, I actually have a really good Raptors memory, um, and I guess this is kind of more just Raptors game memory. So me and my dad, we were going to a game. We were going to sit upper bowl. It was one of Vince's first games back. So he was in New Jersey. It wasn't his very first back, but it was within like a season or two of him coming back. So the fans were still booing him like crazy. And we were walking into the stadium. We were about to show our tickets. And some lady walks up to us and says, hey, do you guys need tickets for the game? And then my dad was like, no, we already got some, yada, yada, yada. And she was like, well, do you want to upgrade? And he was like, I don't know how good are your seats. And she pulls them out. And they are row one center court, like just behind the bench. They weren't courtside, but they were just behind the bench. And my dad was like, I mean, like we can't afford to buy this off you. And then she said, just give me 20 bucks a piece for them. And so we were like, are you serious? So we did it 20 bucks a piece. We ended up selling our upper bowls for 20 bucks a piece. So we literally got these for the price we paid for the upper bowl seats. And we were so close to the court. I wish I was slightly older because I would have had better memories of it. But I still remember Vince trash talking fans. Like one guy courtside was like, Vince, you suck. And then Vince came up. He's like, yeah, that's why you paid hundreds of dollars to come watch me play. And then this like just later in the game, that same guy was taking a picture of Vince and Vince turned to him. He's like, why are you taking a picture of me if I suck? So that was pro- that's probably my favorite Raptors memory of all time is going to that game. And those are the kinds of memories I love. Yeah. <laughs> why was, was the lady awesome. selling them? I guess she got them for work and she just couldn't go or something. I think that was the story. She because she got corporate tickets and she couldn't go and she just saw a dad there with his younger son son. and she wanted to kind of yeah she wanted to bless us and help us have a fun night so yeah she definitely did her did her job because i still remember it like so vividly as vividly as i can for how young i was to this day and it's not like i was like three i was like what eight or something so i was still old enough to obviously consume some memories yeah that's super fly all right so you guys lost Serge and Marcus Soul. But you replaced them with Aaron Baines and uh, Alex Len, as well as you guys. Uh, so when I do additions and subtractions, I'm sort of picky. And I don't know if picky is the right word. Lazy is probably the better word. Like some of the fringe guys, I just don't give a shit about. And then, like, I get to the Raptors and I'm like, I see DeAndre Brembry, DeAndre Brembry, and and like, I'm like, if he signed with like the Knicks or the Pistons or even Devin Booker, my beloved sons, I probably would just leave him out. But the Raptors ability to develop players means, oh shit, a guy with this size and some skills, you have to know when he's going to get into that Toronto system. Because if you don't, he'll fuck around and have a great season. And they'll be like, you just didn't talk about him. I, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because when the Raptors signed, and I still don't know how to pronounce his first name, Elise or Elize Johnson from Indiana, my uh-huh. friend my friend texted me. And he's like, who's this? And I was like, he rode the end of the bench for Indiana. I don't know, like nothing to scoff at. The Raptors are slim at the 3-4 spot, so maybe he can get in. So he's like, oh, so nothing to worry about. And I was like... Probably not, but this is the Raptors, so if anyone's going to revive or kind of create a career for him, it's going to be Toronto. And that's the thing. Like, I saw Brembury, and I was just like, man, 
<sighs> I won't say anything about him. And then Nick Nurse will have him out here doing weird shit in the press. And then he's going to hit a three. And then I'm going to I'm going to get a text from somebody like, yo, when did they get him? You didn't talk about him in the offseason pod. So now we're talking about him because yeah. because of Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse and his staff and what Masai Ujiri has built there makes it so that so worried if you don't speak about somebody because who has failed in Toronto recently? Like Toronto's getting very close to that Miami level of, look, if you come here and work, things are going to go right. Yeah. I think really the only name is Stanley Johnson. And I don't really know if there's much the Raptors could have done. He just, he just didn't play because he wasn't good enough. So it's not even like he overly failed. He, uh, he just came in and left, or I guess he's still here at the same level that he came in with. And then like, you can't stop people from being people, but like basketball wise, like there's not a lot of failure. Like we've had some dumb decisions like uh, Terrence Davis or whatever, but on the court, when you're doing the right thing, like it's hard not to contribute as a Raptor if you're seeing the floor because it's the culture they've built. We got my guy Utah wannabe from Memphis coming into camp. So we'll, uh, he'll probably turn into like Kevin Garnett. <laughs> One can only hope. I do like what no. you did with Malachi Flynn. Yeah. Draft. Yeah. And then uh, Jalen Harris. Guy's a bucket. You guys made some moves. And where are you on Alex Lynn? How about that? Um, I don't. No, I think he's another guy, like you said, with DeAndre Bembry, of he hasn't had the greatest career so far. He was a top, what was it, five pick? I think he was picked fifth to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So obviously the raw talent or the ability is there. Like it was seen at one point. Like it wasn't like he was picked fifth and it was like, where did this come from? This guy should have been second round. But obviously he hasn't had the greatest career. He, he has a big frame. I think he has some ability. I honestly can't say I know a ton ton in all his stops I think he's more just there because the backup center position is open right now it's between him and Chris Boucher I honestly really like Chris Boucher but I think his biggest thing is having that motivation and the drive and just because his thing is energy so if he doesn't have maybe someone pushing him maybe he doesn't show up with that energy every night so maybe they really just brought in Alex Len to say look if you don't bring this same energy night in night out now that you're playing consistently we have this guy who can come in and, and take your spot. So maybe that's it. I don't know. I haven't heard that from anywhere. That's just kind of my own personal theory on it because Alex Lund's a guy who's capable. And as you mentioned, in Toronto, anyone can up their game. And that has got to be the coolest part about being a, a fan of a franchise that's doing things the right way. Yeah. Um, it's no secret that I don't really have an NBA allegiance, but if I did, <clears throat> the idea of how the franchise is run is what would draw me to it. Like, the Mavs. I think I could love the Mavs just because I know Mark Cuban is going to foot the bill and the players are being treated right. I, like, that's somewhere that, like, if I had to, like, randomly... If I did a survey and I was like, all right, we got to get Rob Shaw a team, like they'd be like one of the five I would choose. I've always said that the Raptors have the best staff in the league, like all, all around, because I think Masai and Bobby create the best 
front office. Nick Nurse, it's not crazy to say he's the best coach in the NBA. Even down to a guy like Alex McKechnie, who is league-wide known as the best health guy or injury guy, whatever, team doctor. And then their G League staff, they're always creating great G League teams. They have a G League championship. They have two guys who have won G League MVP, a guy who's won G League Defensive Player of the Year. Like, they're just all around staffed just greatly. Talk to us about the biggest news in Toronto offseason history. And don't say no bullshit like, hey, we brought Fred back or we signed Aaron Baines. Tell us about your big follow after the Baines signing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. I'm, I'm the real winner of, of bringing Baines into Toronto. And I was like, hey, you know, as, as the only Raptors fan or the sole Raptors fan of the Playgrounder, I think – it's great that it's right that we connect, you know, me and the Baines fan club. And he followed me back. And Raptors Twitter is crazy enough. I think his following has jumped like 13,000 since Aaron Baines joined Toronto. And if you watch an NBA game, Toronto Raptors Twitter is just insane. Like there's the writers and the reporters. Then there's a bunch of fans who are within their like 20s or so. And then there's a bunch of people who I can only assume are teenagers and young kids with just players of uh, pictures of the players as their abbeys and their ats are like Pascal playoff season, OG MVP, whatever. And yeah. if someone says anything bad about the Raptors, even if it's factual, like if Kyle Lowry scores zero points in a game and someone tweets out, man, Kyle had a rough night. You'll have 30 people in your mentions, at least at just defending them. It's like, we can talk bad about our guys, but as soon as you say something, that's when we draw the line. It's like family, I guess, essentially. Like, I can pick on my siblings, but as soon as you do something to them, that's where I step in and draw the line. Hey, now, hey, now, hey, now. This is my punching bag. Get your own. <laughs> right. So, it's uh, it's honestly great, but I could definitely see how being an opposing fan, like, you would just get annoyed at this fan base. And now you're pairing it with the Baines fan club, who might be the best, like, fan Twitter account there is like non-writer, non-reporter, non-podcast or whatever basketball Twitter account. It honestly he's might just be hilarious. He's just hilarious. And he never lets up. Like, uh, kill me are normally like the bullshit apologies he makes. Like, um, Oh, I did something wrong. And then you're like, and it reads like a real public service apology. And then you get to the end and he just doubles down on what he said he did wrong. And I'm just like, oh, this is comedic gold. Even, yeah, like you look at his tweet a couple days ago of NBA predictions. Like, he he just buys into the allegiance of the fan base. Like, he made his 20-20-21 predictions. He said, MVP, Pascal, Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Baines, six-man, Norman Powell. Like, it's just, and then the <coughs> Raptors over Suns in the finals. But it's crazy because he followed me the night that Baines signed, and I'm pretty sure he was at, like, 63K followers. Looking at it now, he has 74,000. Like Raptors Twitter just bombarded this guy, and he jumped up 11,000 in two weeks. Yeah, that's super fly. All right, um, let's talk about Beans as a real basketball player because the, some of the things he does I think are going to pair so nicely with Fred. Mm -hmm. Like, that dude will screen you open. It's, yeah. Uh, like, screen assist king. And then he has a jump shot and, like, nice soft hands. He's not the biggest dude height-wise, but, like, he's built like a fridge. Yeah, and he rolls to the rim pretty hard. Oh, oh no, he's moving hard. He's just not tall. Or, well, no, he's no, not he's not. NBA tall. He's 
Yeah, he's, he's definitely still like regular. Six nine, six ten. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think Kyle Lowry is one of the best pick and roll ball handlers in the league. Like, there's obviously guys like LeBron and guys like Chris Paul who probably are better, but Kyle Lowry's right up there, probably in the top ten, top five, and he makes anyone look good. We saw Lucas Nagira play here, and this guy looked like Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert roll into the rim and dunking. So. Him and Abaka had one of the best pick-and-pop games in the league last year. And now we have Aaron Baines, who probably doesn't shoot as well as Abaka, but he was right up there last year. I think he was like 35 36%. And as we mentioned, he rolls hard. And when he rolls, like no one's stopping him. And if you take a charge on him, that's going to hurt for the next four days. So a guy who can roll hard but also pop for Kyle Lowry and a guy like Fred, that's amazing. It probably is a step down defensively for Marc Gasol, but I was thinking about this this morning is you can't even make the direct comparison to what he brings to to compare to what Gasol brought because Gasol missed over half the year last year. Abaka missed over half the year last year. Even when you're looking at predictions, you can't just look at what they add and lost because six of the Raptors, seven core players missed over like 15, 20 games last year. I think they were fourth or fifth in, in man games lost. And... That's just insane how they still finished in second. Our boy got paid. Our boy got paid. Four for 85 is this. We'll put it in three categories. Fred won. uh, Team friendly or just perfect or or damn close. Uh, I I think it's in the middle of perfect and Fred won. Because I think the team wanted to cap off at 20 per year, but they're paying him like 21.25 per year. So that's nothing that the team would walk away from, but it's still probably a bit more. So I'd say Fred won because um, it didn't seem like he was going to get over 20 mil a year, and he did. But at the same time, it's not like the team coughed up like 30 a year and they just completely overpaid him. It's 21. It's just over 20. So I'd still say Fred one at an edge, but it's still pretty perfect because the team brought back a guy who, and we're making our our top fifty player list heading into the season for the playgrounder. And so far, everyone has Fred in their top fifty. So paying a guy twenty one mil, who's probably a top fifty player in the league, like that's you can't really label that an overpay. Making my top fifty has been way harder than I thought. It's so hard, especially when you get down to when you hit like twenty five to thirty. It's like. I don't know. All these players are the same to me. So it's like, it's, I don't get way harder than I thought. I'm actually going to spend a chunk of time doing that today. Yeah. So like when I look at me having someone who's 33 and someone else having them at 22, it's like, I can't even complain because 11 spots seems like a huge difference. But when you really look at those two players and everyone in between, they're all so close. So I just like, I can't get mad at anyone for having that big of a gap of a difference. Man, I might just copy your list, honestly. This shit is hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I've already I've already made mine. I feel happy. I went I did it a couple days ago. I did it quickly, and then I went back twice and reviewed it, and I think I've settled on something I'm I'm happy with. Um, so what I've been doing is I do the guys that come to my head immediately, and then like I go through team rosters. But mm. like the first one, like the ones that are easier, the top 10, 20-ish guys, like, that's easy because those are the first guys in your mind. And then, like, I start going through rosters and I'm like, where should X be? Where should Y be? You know what I mean? No, that's, yeah, that's what I do, too. I I made, I think, my top 12, and then I went through roster, wrote down everyone who even just had a breath of being within the top 50, 
And then I slowly cut guys out of that list and, and put them in. And then I went through and reordered it a bit and then kind of made some small tweaks. So, yeah, right now I have Fred at 49. Oh, I, I, I'm going to get serious about my list today. That, that, that's on my list of things to do. <coughs> All right. So we're, you're happy that Fred's back, right? You didn't want to lose him. No, I think to me there was two goals in this offseason, and it was bring Fred back and save cap space for 2021 for hopefully Giannis. It seems like it's still alive. Um, hey, maybe even Kawhi. I know I know Kawhi's wife and Masai's wife still like FaceTime every night, and their kids are still really close. So a little reunion if the Clippers flop out again. I don't know how much truth there is. I just like to tell myself that there is because I would still love to have him back. Uh, either read Taylor Rooks' story on for GQ in the bubble or listen to her and Zach will talk about it. I haven't. So Zach Lowe had her on the podcast and they talk about it. And one of the stories is Masai Ujiri's hotel uh, yeah. room is right above Kawhi's. Yeah, I heard that one. waking Kawhi up every morning by doing 5 a.m. Uh, Peloton workouts. That's awesome. Yeah. To the point where Kawhi uh, texted Kyle Lowry like, yo, whose room is above mine? Like, which one of you guys is that? And why are they up at all these stupid times? And he was like, oh, that's Masai. That's awesome. And I, I, yeah, I heard, like, Kawhi threatening Masai to call, like, security. Obviously in a joking manner, but that's uh, it just shows how they're still, they're still close. I, I literally think, and I mean, people can do whatever they want. It's their life. I'm not going to tell them. But if he made a solely basketball decision, <clears throat> I still feel like he'd be in Toronto. Because I don't know how you can win a championship and then bring back like the same team and still leave. He said there was a quote. I don't know how much legit legitimacy it had, but apparently he does. He didn't think Toronto had what it took to repeat, but we saw this year. They had what it took. If Kawhi would have returned, they probably would have been the favorites because they were already second place in the East. They took Boston to seven games in. They played absolutely horrible and still took Boston to seven games. And then I think they probably would have beat Miami. And then it would have been a fun matchup versus the Lakers for sure. But yeah, no, there's a real chance Toronto could have two-peated if he stayed. The Raptors are literally missing a guy like Kawhi. Like, when they had him, they won it. And then, like, that's what they're missing right now. No, exactly. And that's why I hate when people just rag on Pascal. It's like, no, he's not going to be the number one option on a championship team. I don't know why you ever thought that. He was probably a top 10 to 15 player all season. But there's a big difference between being a top 10 to 15 player and being those one, two, three, or four guys who can be the best player in a championship team. And he's not that guy. And if you tricked yourself into thinking that he was and then became disappointed when he wasn't, it's just, that's your own fault. He can still, he still deserves to get max money. If you look at every championship team, they have two, three max guys. So you can still be the second best player in a championship team and make max money. And then there's some people even trying to say, I don't even know if we can be the second best player in a championship team. And it's like, it's not even predictions at this point. He literally did it. All right, who pops for you guys? One of your young guys pops and just takes the next step. Uh, I'm, I really, really, I think there's two. And in the, the award predictions we had, I have OG winning most improved. I just really think if he can tighten up his handle a bit, this guy could average about 20 points per game, be a monster rebounder, probably make all defensive first team. Like I legitimately think he could win most improved and make an all-star team. And then I think Norman Powell can win six man. I have him finishing third in six man of the year when I made my 
my award predictions, but he was on pace to win six man last year, or at least finish in the top three. He just missed like 20 games, came back, went absolutely nuts, then missed another like 15 games and then came back one Eastern conference player of the week. And then the league got shut down and it came into the bubble. So OG and Norm, I would really, I really, really think those two guys are going to absolutely kill it next year. And then who Pascal will probably improve. I just, I don't know. He just always does every year. I think he'll come back with a jumper, especially one off the dribble. All right. So uh, does anybody love OG more than the playgrounder staff? Like I, I honestly, like, it kind of seems like everyone does. There's like a consensus amongst our staff that like we just love this dude. He's and he's so funny. Like I don't know if you've ever seen behind the scenes clips of him, but he's he's quiet. But when he talks, it's so funny. I don't know. If, have you ever seen that that clothing show that Serge does? And he came on and they were talking about the scarves. No, I have not. Um, I Charlemagne the God was on it one time with him. Mm. Oh, I think that was the cooking show you're talking about. Okay, all right. Damn, how many shows Serge got? <laughs> yeah, he's got like two or three. Oh, shout out to Serge. Yeah, he's, he's on his off-court grind. All right, uh, give me one more guy that might pop. Uh, from the How about from the bench crew? Yeah, so I do think Norm will come off the bench, but if you're looking a little deeper in, uh, I'm really debating between another two guys. Uh, I really like Matt Thomas. I've said from last year that I think he could be a legit rotation piece. I've never thought he was near as bad defensively as anyone ever made him out to seem. He's a guy who, no, he doesn't have the physical abilities or the, or the size to be a lockdown guy, but he puts in effort. He's always in the right place, um, and he, he works his tail off, and that's literally 50 60% of defense. Um, so I really like him, and then he's just a bucket on the offensive end. Like he, he's a guy who can put the ball in the net, I don't know if I've ever seen him miss three times in a row. I saw him miss twice in a row once, and that's the only reason I don't say I've never seen him miss twice in a row because I've only seen it once. Uh, and then I like Chris Boucher. I think this is going to be his first time getting consistent minutes. Like I said, last year he just came in as an energy guy, and he got fairly consistent minutes because Serge and Mark were always trading places being out. But he was still a guy who was, I need to work my tail off to get these minutes and to stay consistent and stay in the rotation. So now that it seems like he probably has a backup uh, center role, We'll see how much of that energy he brings every night because that's really his game is just being wired out there. Who are our projected starters in Tampa? <laughs> yeah, the Tampa Bay Raptors. Uh, I'd say the same as last year, but Baines for Gasol. So Kyle, Fred, OG, Pascal, and Aaron Baines. I think that's a that's a deathly dangerous offensive starting lineup, even defensively, really. That's still amazing. You lost Mark who was probably still the team's best defender, maybe other than OG, like OG and him. Um, but still, like offensively and defensively, that, that's a great starting lineup. Who's the worst shooter in that lineup? Is it OG? I, uh, it probably, it's probably Baines. Like, it, I think it's Baines. Who's the worst defender in that lineup? Probably Baines again. <laughs> but, you know, but like, the, he's not a dumb defender. He's not a sick. No, and he's not a bad shooter, and he's not a bad defender. Maybe you could say Pascal's the worst shooter. I don't know. But he's definitely the best scorer. So it's hard to just rag on his shooting. It, it really, when a guy's going to have that many touches and that many opportunities, even at, like just being a decent shooter, he's going to get more respect just because mm -hmm. you know he's going to put shots on the rim. You yeah. have to be out there because he's not going to be bashful because he's the guy. Yeah. It's a no, it's a solid it's a solid starting lineup. And then I the bench, 
I really don't think the bench is going to be that weak. We'll obviously have to see what happens with Terrence Davis. I don't know, and I don't want to speak on it because I I'm not the one making the decisions, but there's just yucky stuff happening. And sometimes yeah. you have to just know when to shut up. I, I know that let's leave these players legal troubles alone. Yeah. But either like they'll have Norm off the bench. I mentioned Matt Thomas, who I really, I really like, uh, Nick nurse loves Patrick McCaw. So I'm sure he'll get some minutes. McCaw! Uh, <laughs> what the hell? Um, I think Boucher will probably play. And then that's why I think Bembry has a legit shot at getting some minutes because other than Norm and Matt, who are small guards, and then Boucher, who's a center, it, it might be open for him or that... Uh, uh, I should really know how to pronounce his name, especially he's on the Raptors. Elise Johnson. Elise Johnson. Is it, is it Elise? I, okay. I think it's Elise. It might okay. be Elise. But, but I think him or Bembry has a legit shot at maybe getting into some rotation minutes, especially in the regular season. All right, and our last question. What is a successful season for the Raptors? Like, that, that you walk away and you're like, Hey, this wasn't this wasn't a failure. Like a first round exit seems like that's a bad season for the Raptors to me. It's yeah, it's tough because I think there is probably seven teams in the East where a first round exit is a quote unquote failure because the top seven in the East is really strong. And I even think Atlanta's worked their way up into the top eight. I think those are the top eight playoff teams. I know there's still some people who are like, well, I still don't know if Atlanta can make it because there's Washington and Orlando. And I just I think. Atlanta's loaded up on enough talent to the point where there's a cemented top eight. Um, but it doesn't matter to be top eight. You need to be top six, right? right. To avoid or the play-in tournament. Yeah, you need to be top six. Top ten gets you uh, in the play-in tournament at least. So, yeah, I guess top six. I still think I see them finishing top three or four in the East. I know there's Just people... Just continuity? A lot of continuity. Um, they are one of the teams who's returning the most. And then you look at Boston. Kemba's out for a while. Um, Milwaukee added a really key new piece. Philly added a few key new pieces. Miami has it, but I just, I still think, I think Toronto's really, really good. And the way they exited out of the playoffs was just leaves a sour taste in people's mouths. So I think off of continuity and just off the fact that they're really good, they'll still finish top three or four. So I would say a home court playoff series Win the first round. I think if they go out second round in a tough fight, I would still label that as a, a success. Like, I would never look at that and be like, wow, that was successful. But I would definitely not say that was a failure of a season. So I think for it to be a success, conference finals at least, for it to be just solid second round, for it to be a failure, anything less. But really, the real success comes a couple months after the finals when they sign Giannis or don't. Okay, that's, that's fair. All right, Zach, thank you for your time pitch everything you have and you have a lot because you are one of the hardest working people in showbiz so give them where they can find you i am at zach wilson nba on twitter uh i co-host the playgrounder podcast i host the quiz the beat podcast and i might have another pod coming out soon but i am not going to be disclosing that because i have yet to come out with all the details but yeah, stay tuned and look on my Twitter because I'll post it once we do. And you can also find Zach's written work at theplaygrounder.com. As limited as it is, yeah, you can. I'm, uh, I was always more into the radio podcasting side, and now I've just transitioned more into it. But if I ever write something, yeah, theplaygrounder.com. And you should just check out theplaygrounder.com for everyone else's written work. So did you guys hear what Zach said? Because those are my sentiments. Like, 
Let me talk. Listen to it. I, I, I might not write you the best, but I, I will talk you to death, baby. So this has been the Shaw's Law Podcast. Special thanks to my main man, Zach Wilson, MBA. Please put the MBA at the end. It's like a Tribe Called Quest. You've got to say the whole thing. Like a pimp named Slickback from the Boondocks. Say the whole name. Zach Wilson, MBA. Yeah, I tried to, I tried to make myself a little more official. I don't know if it's worked yet. It, it works for me. Zach Wilson, 50, always made me feel like you were white Zach Randolph. <laughs> I never even thought about that. I literally just chose two random numbers, but that's funny. <laughs> that's always what I think of. When, like, I just think of like Zach Randolph's body with your face on it and your complexion when I that's see funny. Zach Wilson, 50. Oh, man. Well, I guess, yeah, they weren't two random numbers. Five was always my number going up, but Zach Wilson, five was taken, so I just added a zero. I think I've told the story on this pod before. Or not this one, uh, but the trade pod. On the trade pod, yes, you did. But yeah, so, yeah, no, that's funny. I never even took in that it was the number that Zach Randolph had. All right, guys, once again, if you are listening to this, thank you because it's greatly appreciated. Tag a friend, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend or a cousin or an aunt or an uncle about the Shaw's Law podcast. Make sure you're checking out all things at theplaygrounder.com, as well as the Quiz the Beat podcast, the Playgrounder NBA podcast, and the Playgrounder Trade Pod, hosted by none other than moi. So leave a review on iTunes or anywhere you are listening to this. Thank you for your time, Zach, and thank you for listening, guys. This has been the Shaw's Law Podcast. Have a great day.